0: So the rest of this episode was previously recorded uh, a day or two ago. Then we haven't put it out yet. So we're like, Hey, there's some transfers. Let's talk about them. We'll discuss them here. So if we get to a later point and you're like, Logan says Dallas didn't have any forwards. Um, It's because that was recorded before this part that you're listening to now. All right. (laughs) So, Logan, I guess let's start with the Dallas one then, all right? Uh, Tell us who they got. It looks like it just became official.
1: Yeah, so uh, Tom Bogart actually just tweeted that it's official, and it was pretty much official. It was just... I think the, the final details were polished off and Tom's been buying a car. He's been busy, so he's not been keeping us up to date on Twitter like he should be. So we'll have to get Bogart on and talk to him about timeliness and, and the manner of which he does business with his cars. Um, but no, uh, yeah, so FC Dallas Jordan has completed the club record deal to sign Petar Musa from Benfica. The deal is $9.7 million up front, plus another 3.3 3 in add-ons. So a total, I think that rounds out to be uh, $13 million plus with the add-ons so uh he's played in several clubs in European top flight leagues uh five of the leagues um and yeah so or sorry no he they Dallas beat several clubs in Europeans uh the top five leagues to sign Musa I read that wrong he's got six caps with Croatia so he's had some time where he's played with the croatian um international team if you know anything about croatia they are a very good team i think they were in the world cup final 2018 yeah thank you um, so jordan uh i guess i'll pass it over to you with this question he has six goals to assist in 890 minutes he's been with benfica he's had some stops elsewhere uh, but it looks like he's had a lot of senior time in behind some of the big players uh, at Benfica, who's one of the biggest clubs in Portugal. Are you excited about the signing? What does this do with Jesus Ferreira? Do we think he's staying? Like, wh- What's going to happen here? Because I-, I feel like this is going to be a lot of firepower all at once.
0: Okay, so I think Jesus Ferreira is staying because I, if the only if they were ready to accept money through Moscow that they couldn't accept anyway for $13 million, that tells me that that's probably the only offer that's come through. And maybe they weren't trying to ship him out. Maybe it was like they got the offer and they saw dollar signs and were like, all right, we, we got to capitalize on this. So I think it would take a big deal for them to ship Fiera out. But I think this is a good deal. I think it's a good deal. Benfica is a good team. So to be getting that many goals in that many minutes, I think is a good start here. Um it's sh- hopefully should translate when he comes over here. I don't know, I'm I'm, I'm excited about it. I think this is a type of big move that Dallas needs to be able to score more goals, right? They were one of the lower end of
1: scoring. Yeah, uh their defense again, we talked about how good it, it has been. It's been pretty stellar. So to add in especially on the end of the ball that you had uh, like you've got Paul Ariel, you got Ferreira, you got these guys that are going to be able to create chances for him. So I'm really excited about that. Later, His biggest success... sorry,
0: later in the episode, I think I say they need like seven to ten more goals. This can give it to him.
1: <laughs> yeah, this should give it to him. I think. Uh, first year, I think it'll be interesting because those are always the growing pain. But it seems like people have done really well their first year. It's that second year where they've kind of – Gone back to the, the mean, but uh, Jordan, just before we move on to the next one so that we can stay underneath the time that we need to, he played for Boa Vista, Boa Vista um, which is also another top flight team uh, in the Portugal Premier League, um, which is what it's Premier Primera Liga, I think is what it's called. Um, he had 11 goals and three assists. So this, this guy can score at a high level. Like That's a top team um, in a top league over in a, a, a team that's played Champions League games. So, He's got the experience. He's been around players that have played some of the best world football ever. Um, so I'm really excited about this. I think Dallas, this is the signing because I know in this episode Logan probably talks a lot about how their attack was just not very fruitful. This is the type of signing that Dallas needed to make. So I'm really excited. I think this this checks off the box that I think they were missing the most, Jordan. I think this is a this is an excellent signing and could propel Dallas into the into that top. You know, four to three spots in the Western Conference. So, really excited about it.
0: All right. Who was the other signing that we have to talk about?
1: Yeah. So, the next one is Vancouver. The Vancouver Whitecaps have signed Norwegian center back Bjorn Igne Utvik, uh, who is signed through the 2025 MLS season with an option for 2026. A former Norway youth international, the 27 year old has spent his entirety of his career in his native country. Most recently at the top flight side of Sarpsborg 08, um, where he posted eight goals, six assists, and 136 all-competition appearances from 2018 to 2023. And he's been a starter there, Jordan. I watched highlights of him, and I also watched highlights of our, our friend from um, from Benfica. This player, uh, Bjorn uh, Udvik, he he likes to slide around a lot (laughs) like all of his highlights are him slide tackles like it's tons of slide tackles in the box it's physical it's uh it is it's a lot of fun to watch like he's a very entertaining center back he does a lot of uh, a lot of passes out of back some of those diagonal passes that are just uh kind of like a i think they're more like miles robinson a kellen acosta like where they just kind of float and end up at the feet of some of the wingers and attacking players. I think he's going to be excellent for the build-up play for Vancouver. Vancouver likes to kind of get into that technical, pass it around, get guys open, go up and down, get inside the box, put as many people in the box. He scores quite a bit for a defender. Um, he's great in the air. Uh, some of his goals where he heads some in are just with authority. So, I'm really excited. I'm kind of nervous in, in his aspect because the Norwegian league isn't technically one of those leagues you really hear a lot about. You hear about a specific Norwegian, um, but he does not have any tendencies that Erling Haaland has uh, over at Manchester City. So um, I, I think I think it's a, an interesting signing. I think it's a decent signing. I think going outside of the comfort zone where Vancouver is like, you know what? Let's take a shot on one of these guys. I think this is... This is exceptional for them. Twenty-seven-year-old Scott experience seems to to have a, a, a very intentional way in which he plays center back, and he's gonna he's gonna feature with Renko. Uh, I think it's Veselinovic. Is how you say that? Um, Tristan Blackman, who just signed a deal, um, Laborda. So I'm really excited. Uh, I think Vancouver made an excellent signing, and I know I was pretty high on Vancouver, so I think this is this is adding to that.
0: All right. Well, I think that's I think that's all we need to cover. Don't expect this every time, people. All right, uh, this is just because <laughs> the episode isn't chaos. out yet. All right, and we already uh, we have to record our interview actually as well, a little behind the scenes. Um, so, all right, enjoy the rest of the episode. Enjoy our interview with no other pod. And uh, again, just be mindful that if we mention any of this stuff. As missing holes, uh, but later in the episode, this was recorded before that. So, enjoy the rest of the show, and we'll catch you guys uh, later. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan. With me, as always, as we continue our journey through the previews of the twenty twenty four season, is Logan How you, you Logan. Oh man, I
1: I've gotten released from my position at E FC twenty four. I accidentally leaked the. Uh kits yesterday so i'm not doing well yeah oh, damn yeah G- did you see yeah, that the, you? yeah. That, that's really just you know what's funny jordan is that actually is we were we were driving around yesterday uh in orlando and ea has their studios here and we saw the ea studios and i was like oh no oh, really somebody in there is in trouble today <laughs> yeah yeah Yes, that was you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had to drive into work. They were not happy with me. so That's why you saw the yep. building. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> um, no, we were, uh, you know, the, all the jerseys leaked, of course, we're not going to really show anything on here. We're going to wait for the official release so we can actually see the detail and the kits and get the, the fun kit names that I, you know, I was watching our one from last year over again to kind of re- remember how we did it and like track if there was any jerseys that we maybe didn't like that maybe now we might say we do like. And um, man, the names for the jerseys and the descriptions are awful, but so much fun that uh, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. You know, we got the first part now we've seen what they look like. Now I want to know what BS names they came up with. And like the three stripes stand for justice liberty and for all uh as we, you know like it's like what the, the three branches of government uh, is what our three stripes stand for you know they make up all that kind of stuff so i'm really excited to see what that what that yeah, stuff is so hopefully we get those uh but it looks like february 8th.
1: the downward dog yoga kit it's like what why and it's like if you look yeah. closely enough into the detail that you probably won't be able to see on camera anyway <laughs> And it's not going to be in the replica, right? Kit. <laughs> this
2: is the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever
1: like. I even the authentic kits. I'm like, uh, I don't even know why people. I mean, I, I I'm not bashing people to do it. I'm just saying I personally would not buy the authentic kit because it doesn't fit. Best right. watch your it mouth. It doesn't fit me. Like I'm I'm fat. Like come on, it doesn't fit. Me. Well, that's the good thing about losing 45 well, pounds I mean, is that I can fit. Well, <laughs> when you're over when you're overweight, Jordan, um, you don't fit into the authentic babies so maybe that's what it is and that's
0: the bad thing too is then when i do gain yeah. the weight back I, it's hard right. to wear them again but hopefully i'm not getting right back. we won't
1: tell you to shop on DHgate. we won't
0: we won't uh no and you know what i was thinking of we might be able to do it easier with like if i insert all of the photos into a tier list on tier oh, maker yeah. and then we have the tiers as like named because you can change the names of the tiers we could change so, our, like yeah To to the names of, like, Don't Buy, Ross, and, like, Buy Now, Burn It. Those were the four categories we had. So, Uh, But nobody else listening needs to know our plans, I guess. So uh, we can move on from that. Uh, But today we're diving into some playoff teams for the first time on the show. Right? We didn't do any East. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're diving into the playoff teams here uh, for the first time. Today we'll be covering San Jose which is why I'm repping the Quakes today. We'll be talking with no other pod. Uh, I know that sounds confusing. It means like you you might think that we're not having another podcast on, but we are having another podcast on and their name is no other pod. They've been on the show before. They will be on to cover Kansas city. We'll talk about Gavin Wilkinson, all that stuff that we missed due to doing these other episodes and stuff. Then we will cover Dallas. Vancouver and RSL and this is uh there's only three episodes per conference so we're actually gonna be two-thirds of the way through the west by the time we're done this episode but it's fun we get to actually start with some playoff teams for the first time uh, which I'm excited for um yeah, so I guess uh should we dive on in to San Jose? Yeah,
1: I mean that's a that's a long trek for you and I, but I guess we can head over there and see what's going on.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna to walk too.
1: <laughs> it's a long walk from down by the river where you are. You're not down by the river though. You're you're I don't know where you are. Where are you?
0: An hour away from the river. <laughs> <laughs> what river? I am so pleased.
1: Yeah, let's do it, Jordan. Let's get into San Jose. I'm interested to see what see what we come up with.
0: All right, so San Jose, of course, finished just into the playoffs by one point in ninth place. Uh, Now, they had kind of been, I think, higher throughout the course of the season, and then at one point are going to get leapfrogged by SKC, who was terrible for most of the season. So um, I think it's funny because I think our expectations on the two are totally different, right? Like San Jose – they were hot for a while, and I was like, oh, good for them. They're doing pretty well. And then you kind of ignore, like, okay, they kind of slipped off near the end. And then really had an awful playoff game, nil-nil, SKC moves on in penalties. Uh, so it's like, I I sometimes think I'm more lenient on San Jose because I wasn't expecting as much. So while I think if it was another team, I'd be ripping them for probably being hot and then falling off. For San Jose, I'm like, hey, you made it. You made it into the playoffs. Congratulations. You know they did have some, uh, you know changes throughout the season. Lucci Gonzalez. Uh, you know coming into the, uh, coming into management. Uh, they had 38 goals scored and 43 allowed, which was, I know the defense still sounds bad, but that was much better than the year prior, which I think was like 50 some goals given up. It was like a record when they were under Almeida, they were giving up goals. Like it was candy on Halloween. And this year was a little bit, a little bit better, but they still kind of lack goals. Right? Like if you're looking at goals scored... Actually, they had 39 goals. Um, if you're looking at goals scored, they have the second lowest in the West. The next lowest was the bottom of the West, Colorado Rapids with 26. Most of the teams had 40s and 50s, with the best team, San Jose, have a... Uh, St. Louis, not San Jose, sorry. 62. So a little bit more... uh their defense helped keep them in the games a little bit more and they were able to get those points that helped them up into the table but really they finished with a negative four goal differential which isn't great but at least they weren't shipping goals like they were before I mean really goals against how good how good was their goals against one two three fourth best fifth best fifth best sorry Dallas gave up 37, Houston gave up 38, Seattle gave up 32, LAFC gave up 39, San Jose gave up 43. San Jose actually gave up less than St. Louis, surprisingly, surprisingly, I think. Okay, attendance was up as well, 20%, so that's pretty good for their area, but... Uh, I, I think we would all kind of say we were disappointed a bit still with Cade Cow. Right, he didn't really have the season we thought he was going to have. Now they've shipped him out for four million dollars. He's going to uh, what Chivas. Do you know, Chivas yeah. or Chivas. He actually already has three goals over there. By the way. <laughs> uh, talk about quality right. of Liga Mex. All right, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, everyone. That's a joke. So, you know, dislike the video or whatever. We don't care. Okay. Uh, So they, they definitely had a season. What was your thoughts on San Jose's 2023 season? I call it a mixed bag. That's a really good,
1: uh, I, I like that. Uh, what is that description, I guess, uh, of what their season was. And Jordan, you hit it right on the head um they had so in the last 10 games they had the regular season they had three losses they had six draws and they just had one win so to start the season they were fine but if you have a better finish to the year I mean you pick up you know two more points off of some of those draws it it changes their positioning Mightily, and it puts them into a better playoff situation. I think being in that wild card position, you don't really want to be in it because typically the bigger teams will knock you off if you're towards the bottom of the playoffs. So if you're in that six to seven range, you're in a much better spot to do some damage and upset some people. And I think it was just that. Here's
0: what here's what I think about. Neither. Sorry, here's what I think about the wild card. All right, the wild card, especially now that it's just one game and the next round is three, right? So you definitely yeah. don't want to be in the wild card, but. I feel like if you're in the wild card, you're either the team that is hot or you're facing the team that is hot and got into the playoffs. So it can really go either way for you. And in San Jose's case, it was they came up against an absolute buzzsaw that was SKC, who was hot Mm -hmm. at that time. They held their own, didn't give up a goal unfortunately go out due to penalties. But you know, San Jose probably would have felt like if they would, they they probably would have fared a little better if they had gotten to a best of three, maybe something happens, right? Maybe you steal a win sometime and you push it to like a three game series and which not much were. And uh, you know that. So yeah, I think if you're looking at the wild card, it can go either way. You're either the hot team or you're facing the hot team. And you don't want to be the one facing
1: the hot team. That's a really good point. And I think predicting the playoffs going forward, I think we, we look at that better where uh, San Jose kind of limped into the finish line and they fell down to the wild card spot. Whereas SKC came through the bottom of the table into the wild card. So they're going in completely different directions and give it a couple more weeks. And, and I think San Jose missed the playoffs. So yeah, I, I think what you said, a mixed bag, right? You got Cade Cowell, who we've talked about for for years, Jordan, that this it was this young generational talent that was coming through. He was going to break onto the U.S. Men's National Team scene. He was going to start to make a real uh, difference for San Jose. And I think the player pool that was U.S. Men's National Team put a lot of pressure on some of those guys that are at the number nine position until Ballygun uh, shows up. But he never really did. He it never panned out. I don't think. And and I don't know if it was system because he's I mean, he does have three goals and a, a lot lesser Liga Mechie's side. But I think um, ultimately, you know, I, I think it's a great change of scenery. I think sometimes those younger players, that's what is needed. And I think that's why you have a bunch of players that will come back to the league and. You know, I think that's a good platform for them to be able to come back and especially since this league is growing tremendously, I think it's a nice bounce back to where it used to be you come back and it was, it was kind of seen as a failure. But now I think it's more of they're coming back to so it's like a Sam Vines or a Cole Bassett. I think it's similar to that aspect where they're coming back to kind of you know, mend their careers. Whereas I think Cade Cal is a kind of similar situation where He'll maybe bounce to achieve us, and then you know he starts to perform well, and then he sold off to a European side because I think that's ultimately everybody's destination is is a higher league ranked in the in the European side. So, yeah, in, in a mixed bag, Luci Gonzalez, uh, I thought uh, coached his team pretty well. They had some talent, but I think some of the talent is, you know, I think they've hit their ceiling. Like I think sees a he's got a ceiling that doesn't really. He's not that player that moves the needle. I don't think. Uh, that they really have that player. I know Montero went over there, and he doesn't move that needle at all. Really, um, he's got a ceiling. It, you know, you just got ceiling players, and that that ultimately, you know, hinders what you are going to do in the league, and especially in the Western Conference, I think, because there are a lot of ceiling players uh, right now. So I don't know. It, it 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 was it was like I was really impressed with the beginning of the season. I was hoping Obi had a better year. Yeah. He didn't have a better year. He regressed. Uh, Montero regressed. K Cal wasn't great. Marcinkowski's hurt. They like they had all sorts of different issues, uh, and I think that's what happens to this team, and, and they're just never going to reach that elite set. And they're not a big market team, so they're not a team that's going to be able to go out and spend a ton of money. And coming off a of Wondolowski era, they're trying to find that guy, and I don't think they have that guy in the bag.
0: Yeah, this is what's tough, too, about doing this like so early, is, of course, like I think the transfer window is open until April for MLS, so like we're going to be... You know, teams are going to be adjusting throughout this season, so we can only go off of what's been done so far, you know. And um, they bring in William Yarborough, the former uh, Rapids goalkeeper, who's going to be the backup to Daniel. Um, Preston Judd traded from the Galaxy. Galaxy got 250 in Gam. That's uh, two hundred fifty k, not just two hundred fifty dollars in gam. That would be kind of wild. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, here we go.
0: we'll give me two hundred fifty gam. <laughs> Alfredo Morales, uh, the former U.S. international, is coming uh, over to San Jose. Uh, this is the second year of Luchi Gonzalez, who hopefully is going to be able to uh, push forward here. Um, apparently, he's very impressed with Judd and is, uh, you know, but it um obobacy is probably still the the number nine up there uh yeah i don't know so if we're grading them last year you know i said a mixed bag i feel like a mixed bag would be a c plus and that's what i'm gonna give them
1: yeah i was gonna give them a c their young talent just didn't do anything and that's kind of what they were banking on and now they're kind of in a oh crap mode where they go what do we do now and so we'll see
0: Uh, All right, so I don't know. You want to talk about what's a successful season for them this year then? Because we kind of alluded to it with them needing to get more production out of some of these players and and stuff. But what, for you, is a successful season for the San Jose Earthquakes in 2024? Uh, They'd like to
1: see the progression of Nico Sakiris, who was their defender that was real promising. And I think for years to come will be re- real promising. Um, Roger Espinosa, real solid year last year. Um, one of the best wingers uh, in the league right now. Uh, if Obasi, they'd hope to see some progression from. So I, I'd i say, like, they, they're looking for some progression from some of these players or at least some, some bounce backs uh, because they they have a lot of good talent on the roster that they kind of can fill in and around. Daniel's a great goalkeeper. He's going to keep off Marcinkowski. He's going to keep off Yarborough. You forget uh, David Ochoa, I think it is, that's there. Um, and I, it, it just, they've got goalkeeper galore, So I think their goalkeepers are fine. They're not going to run into an issue there. Even if they sell Daniel, they've got good, I think, backups in behind him. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a year of uh, improvement from San Jose, or at least finishing, right? The finishing of the season. So I'm looking for them to jump out of that wild card range. I'm hoping that they finish, you know, five to seven, I think would be a successful season for this team, because I think, the teams ahead of them just have a lot more talent. They got a lot more, they, you know, their deeper pockets above them. Uh, and I do think that some of those teams come crashing down from there, uh, from above them. So, yeah, I think five to seven is a realistic step. I think that's where they would have liked to step last year, but it just didn't happen that way. So that's what I think a successful season will be.
0: I would agree with that. I think it's got to be out of the mm-hmm. wild card, but still yeah. in the playoffs. When I say out of the wild card, I don't mean you're out of the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> you need to make that step, like you said, and that's those same positions you were just talking about. Spots five through seven are – they're not a the top four team. Though they were kind of hanging around in that top four spot for a little bit in the season. Uh, it just shows how much they finished by, that they were lower, and it was kind of a weaker west last year anyway. So, yeah, I would say five through seven is is where you got to be. And if we're looking at who five through seven was last year, it's Vancouver, Rcel and Dallas, you know, you're thinking, okay, maybe I can take a spot from one of them. Uh, or you're hoping for St. Louis to, to come back to earth a bit. And uh, maybe, you know, St. Louis is not top four this year. You know, that's what you're kind of hoping for. You're hoping like, Oh, that was a new season bump for them, like a new team bump for them. And they're going to kind of fall back down. But uh, San Jose got to get in that five through seven spot all right are is that good on san jose are we ready to move on to skc
1: let's move on
0: all right so we're going to go to skc we're going to welcome in no other pod part of the kc sports network that's jimmy mack and daniel kuzer and we will be right back and we are back we have our guests dan and jimmy from no other pod thanks for coming back on guys
2: thanks for having me here thank you fellas what's up I don't know. It's been
1: Jordan and I were talking about this. It's been a little bit. Uh I think you guys are now on a network, right? If you guys will tell people a little bit about the network and where you guys are found yeah. now. And because I think we didn't have you on last year. Um, but uh, just tell us a little bit about where you've been and how you guys been doing.
3: Yeah, for sure. So last year we joined it's called the the KC Sports Network. So it is a network of podcasts that covers uh sports all around Kansas City area Uh, chiefs primarily are are a lot of podcasts that they have because you know there's nothing going on with the chiefs right now it's a slow time yeah sadly Uh, but (laughs) lots of chiefs coverage still yeah yeah so lots of chiefs uh, but then they do royals and they got soccer so we got no other pod that's on you can find it under kcsn soccer wherever you get your podcasts and we do a a sporting kc episode every week and we got kc current coverage as well with the current ramping up with their uh, brand new stadium that that dan's got on lockdown on currently so it's it's a good time
0: yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh being part of a network. Uh, and uh you know the the KC Current stuff is pretty awesome too, especially them getting their own
1: their own stadium.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's going to be uh, world class. Looking forward to that. Yeah, Dan, if you want to talk a little bit about the Ravens getting beat um, by the Chiefs so that Jordan can <laughs> No, let's not. Mask in let's that. not keep talking <laughs> about that. I'm moving
0: on.
2: Moving on. It's all over Sports <laughs> Center this week, man. I'm
3: having a good time. Do you want to talk about the uh the, the fumble at the half yard line? Or we want to talk about Lamar throwing in the triple coverage or No, I'm actually <laughs> I, I've
0: taken I used the men in black forgetting uh thing on me. Oh, so okay. I can't even actually talk any about it
3: at this
2: point. You're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't about.
0: know what you're talking about at
3: this point. <laughs> Who are the
2: Ravens? I, I hate that they're calling it a Lamar choke job though. And given the chiefs zero credit. Yeah. What the
0: no, hell is I, that? Agree, I agree. I agree. And all the Raven fans have been really upset. I'm like, we lost to one of the greatest quarterbacks head coaching combos in, in history. Once we start really looking at probably by the time they're all retired, yeah. it'll probably be another like Brady Belichick situation. So yeah. Can't be too upset. And Mahomes
3: is a sporting and current owner.
0: Yes. So there's that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. He goes the games. Yes, he does all right logan you want to kick us off with the first question here for uh for dan and jimmy
1: yeah so jordan and i haven't really talked about it on the podcast and we we kind of gave you guys a heads up but um it, it's the talk of town it seems it's the talk of mls it was for quite some time on twitter i'm sure that all these new signings are a good d- distraction for uh SKC who haven't really made any um but if you guys will just kind of reflect on the gavin wilkinson case i mean it, it's It seems like uh, we're constantly doing this in this league. I I don't know why it's a a trend, but Jordan and I feel like we jump on this and talk about uh, Merritt Poulsen or we talk about different uh, things going on in different sports and different leagues and women's sports. The NWSL had a ton of issues in the past two years. Yeah, so if you guys will talk to, because I know, uh, Dan, you cover some NWSL, and you cover uh, that side of it, and you know a lot of, uh, unfortunately, a lot of these characters that come to play in MLS too. So if you two will just kind of reflect on the Gavin Wilkinson case, the case and just everything you've kind of covered in the last couple of weeks.
2: I'm all, I'm only going to speak first to say that Jimmy should speak first because this man, this man was a social media pioneer when it came to – gathering a movement, building a, a, a revolution, if you will, Les Mis style, carrying red flags. The man was writing articles and getting followers. So, Jimmy, take it, buddy.
3: Okay, well, thank you. I don't know about that. Uh, I, I will say, so uh, what I did not have on my bingo card for the 2023-2024 the Sporting Kansas City offseason was anything having to do with Gavin Wilkinson. Uh, and it, it, um, it was quite a shock one day to suddenly see a report from tom bogart i think it was first that was like sources are indicating that that sporting kansas city may be nearing a deal with with gavin wilkinson and everybody was like that's weird that doesn't make any sense uh peter Vermese is uh the basically the the lone voice of sporting kansas city not just as a coach but as a technical director and, and sporting director so this is odd uh, and then what, two hours later, there's an email from Sporting Kansas City that's like, hey, press conference later today. And we're like, oh, this, okay, this is a real thing. And so they announce Gavin Wilkinson as the sporting director, I think was his title in his illustrious eight-day career with Sporting Kansas City. Uh, and and Peter Vermees was changed to something called the Chief Soccer Officer which is a fun title. And uh, yeah, it was. Um, I think it was Sam McDowell for the Kansas City Star that said, wouldn't it be great if the new hire in Sporting Kansas City's front office didn't have to apologize to women in the first 70 seconds of his first press conference? Sure. Uh, and, it, and it really just went downhill from there. If you haven't read um, any of the Yates report and Gavin Wilkinson's involvement with uh, the Paul Riley saga, I encourage you to go out there and, and look up some of the great work that The Athletic did, Um, There's a a series of articles about it, but basically Gavin Wilkinson enabled and um, allowed continued abuse to happen, not just at the Thorns, but in uh, Western New York and and North Carolina when he recommended Paul Riley for a job. And I am very proud of the reaction that the Sporting Kansas City fan base had. I I would be remiss if I did not call out in particular the ladies of SKC, which is uh, a, a supporters group made up entirely of women. They really, I would say, took the main leadership role in organizing. Um, There were some soft, I will say, statements from the Cauldron and the South Stand that many fans were not happy with and thought that maybe they were working a little bit too closely with the club PR on this. And ladies of SKC stood up and said, no, we're not taking this. And I wrote some articles for the KC Soccer Journal about sort of as a fan who sort of made my home in Kansas City through this club, what it felt like to me. And I'm not a woman or a victim of, of sexual abuse or domestic violence. So I can't imagine what it was like for them. And uh, yeah, then eight days later, they listened, kind of. They said, okay, even though we did our due diligence, which they doubled down on, y'all wouldn't shut up. So fine, we'll we'll get rid of them, is, is kind of how it read to a lot of people. And, and the only speculation that, that we can have, really, is that they started getting some sponsorship pressure um, because-
2: well, yeah jimmy we were drumming up a conversation too like online and on our podcast as well like there was no sporting news to talk about this was the sporting yeah, news right and we had a news anchor reach out to the podcast and jimmy <laughs> went on the freaking news <laughs> uh for like eight seconds it was ridiculous <laughs> I for like 10 minutes and they, they took like half a sentence yeah. oh good and yeah you, you drove all the way out there but it was important enough that they wanted to do a story and you lent your time out there you're not getting paid for this so a big deal i mean it matters
3: yeah i think a lot of fans just felt betrayed like why and even if you put the moral part of this aside just from a business standpoint like why what what's yeah. the upside to this they knew they were doing something shady when you announced a, a, a technical change and there was no mention of his name and no picture anywhere it's like somebody just got sacked in the premier league when they're like technical staff update and yeah. uh, <laughs> it, yep. it, they knew it was bad from the beginning, and. Uh, Yeah, there's been some reporting since. There are still questions to be asked. The Athletic basically indicated that sporting might have been misleading or less than truthful in how they described the vetting process. And myself and a few other journalists have tried to ask Peter Vermees about that since, and we're getting the refer to our owner statement, we're moving on answer. So it's, uh, I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of closure, I would say, other than he's no longer with the club. But I'm I'm also not sure that the club really learned their lesson as to why it was wrong.
1: Yeah. I love this line in it. Uh, it says we ran a diligent and exhaustive process to identify our new sporting director. It was grounded in deeply held principles and standards we are we have adhered to since the, we acquired the team. Dan, I want to get your thoughts on what the hell does that mean? Uh, because it sounds like the exhaustive part of that search was like a should we pick up the phone and at least call him to, to offer him the job or should we email him
2: <laughs> no man it's that they had a process going on and peter Vermees was like hold on i got a guy <laughs> yeah like that's how it feels like what it really was but that whole statement there was like no accountability no ownership no apology but there was a hey we did we did a good job here we did our we did the best job mm-hmm. exhaustive you know mm-hmm. and it's like stop quit feeding us the bull crap We're we're over it well, it it's also like makes that you think. And doubles down. <laughs> it,
0: it, it just makes yeah. you think, like if if they did exhaustive and they still came up with this guy as the only option, it's like you did less work than what uh, the people on Twitter were able to suss out <laughs> five seconds after. You know, like it makes no yeah. sense. And you were well, right to and... Like you said that it doesn't seem like they were really like backing down in this and like as somebody that's outside of Kansas City like we felt the same way when we read this is like it sounds like they did it just cuz of the pressure like it, mm-hmm. it, they and they didn't want to say that so they're just like right like we're still right but we're doing it cuz we're upset at you guys
2: yeah we want that children's mercy hospital Kansas City money you know what i mean yes, we're not trying yeah. to lose it. yeah
3: i i think they thought they could weather the storm and they thought you know, and, and to an extent, they may be right. Winning does fix a lot of things. I think they thought, let's get into the season. If things go how we hope they go, then by the end of the, uh, you know, the season if sporting are competitive or fighting for MLS Cup, people will forget maybe that Gavin Wilkinson's involved. And you would
2: never let anyone forget, Jimmy. You would <laughs> never let that happen.
3: Well, there are a number. Yeah, there are a number of people that were saying that that's not going to happen. And quite honestly, there was a part of me that was very curious what that first home game was going to look like. I mean the ladies of SKC said they were not going to let it go and and you know we're all online in some way it's sometimes it's hard to know how much of of this outrage is contained within soccer twitter and how much of this outrage is reaching right. the average fan and and that's honestly I wasn't sure about I wasn't sure how many people who were saying they were going to call and cancel their season ticket memberships were actually calling and canceling their season ticket memberships and 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 that's why I say I have to assume a sponsor like Children's Mercy, who has a a very um, family-oriented brand by the nature of the services they provide, a nonprofit children's hospital, who is one of the premier sponsors of Sporting Kansas City. I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at the heat that was coming on every single Sporting Kansas City social post and was like, we can't really have our brand associated with this type of thing. It's too much, so fix it. So I don't know. It's... It's still a, a hard thing to to accept that it happened in a lot of ways. I'm grateful that he is no longer with the club, because at least in some way now we can focus on on soccer yeah. for the remainder of the year, where that personally was going to be a little bit difficult for me. I don't think the, the saga is done per se, because now we know that there was supposed to be a delegation of soccer responsibilities. Peter Vermees, even though he was mm-hmm. still going to be the top guy was going to let somebody else take a little bit more active role in the scouting and, and the talent identification. Now that's a big hole in the org chart where you have Peter, who's presumably still the chief soccer officer. Who's now the sporting director. We don't know that. And there were other candidates that I'm blanking on his name, but the GM from, from the Red Bulls who you can laugh and say, well, the Red Bulls haven't won a lot of trophies, but they've certainly developed some talent that have then gone on to have success in other big leagues overseas if you could marry a talent identifier like that with, with a coach, the, the you know, the pedigree of Peter Ramiz, maybe that would be a good combination. So that's why it's just so strange that like this, this was the choice.
0: 13 straight years in the playoffs though, the Red Bulls too. We can't forget that. <laughs> they keep bringing that up. Um, <laughs> but no, it was good to see the fan pressure on it. Like Jimmy, you're putting out a tweet like every hour and I'm like, Oh, let me <laughs> like this and retweet this. this is, he's on fire today. And uh I can't believe it was only eight days. It felt like longer, honestly. And, um, I I think when you look at this sport in particular, I feel like it we make a difference more when it comes to fans. Uh, we've seen it with the leagues, like the like the Super League overseas, right? And, um, like I'm sure if this was like, I don't know, I feel like if it was an NFL or a baseball team, they probably could have gotten mm-hmm. away with it. I do think. You know, I I, I think it's yeah. just like a different animal when you're dealing with supporter groups and you're dealing with um that type of soccer atmosphere where you're risking to and, and the fact that sponsors play such a big role in soccer when you're talking about shirt sponsors and you're talking about stuff like that. So now I do think it was a uh uniquely soccer <laughs> situation, but yeah, uh, I think you're right. Very glad to see the fans I was surprised at how much it was continuing to go. It was really, really
2: good job. If you ever okay. thought your voice didn't matter, that's a bunch of bull. Yeah, I mean it. It matters.
3: Yeah, for sure. People, people were calling their their reps. They were not getting great answers, but they they were active. And I think you're right. You can look at examples from the NFL. You could look at examples from Major League Baseball, from the NBA, where people might get suspended, but but people aren't losing their jobs. Players aren't aren't losing their jobs. Um, yeah, this is this is a really interesting case study, if you will, on the power of soccer supporter culture.
0: All right. So let's move on from the Gavin Wilkinson talk. Uh, So last year, uh, (laughs) this club struggled mightily. And uh, it was a shock to me because I thought they were going to be, uh, I I felt like I thought they were going to be good. I forget where I put them in the West, but I think Logan was a little more down on them. And then it was you know, a really rough start, really rough start for them. (laughs) But then they get, they turn it around. They get all the way above San Jose, who had had a great start to the season. And then they beat them in the wild card. They knock off the top team of the West. They end up losing to Houston, but it's uh, all in all, a a much better season than it looked to have been when you're looking at like April or, or, you know, March, March. Mm -hmm. Kind of take us through that, I guess, just reflecting on 2023 and maybe people thinking, oh, it's time for Vermees to go maybe and then uh, turning it around and knocking off the one seed
2: handily. It was wild. It was wild at the start. I mean, we were talking, we're hearing all that fire Vermees controversy and we're like, hold on, like let's not get crazy just yet. And then another loss happens and then another draw happens. Ten games, winless. And I was like, you know, you never know who your team is until may you wait till the end of may see how their flow is well we were garbage and we could confidently (laughs) say we could confidently say we're not we're not going to go anywhere this year it just wasn't doing well and then fire sparked and then it was like hold on don't it's not over you know what i mean and it just uh kept building from there and by the time we got in the playoffs it was house money i was just like i don't even care i'm just happy to be invited to the party (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, we joked at one point, I forget when it was, July, August, like there was still plenty of time in the season left. And, and we had gone on a little run. And we were still, I don't know, especially in points per game, you know, f- far away from a playoff spot, even though, yeah. you know, just about everybody in MLS makes playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> and and we started joking, we were like, what if we get into the playoffs? And what if we're that last spot? And what if we took out St. Louis City in the playoffs? Like, wouldn't, wouldn't that almost make it all worth it? And we're like, "Ah, it's not gonna happen like it's Worthy. just too, it's too far and and to think that you know i can pinpoint back it's it's that seattle game on the road we had lost our first 10 games mm-hmm. we had as many red cards as we had goals and then we're going on the road to to seattle the sounders who are you know everybody knows one of the premier clubs in the league there's simply no way this trash sporting kansas city team is going to go on the road to seattle and get a win and then we gritted out a win and we're like what I think I even went on a Sounders podcast before then, and I was like begging for mercy ahead of time. I was like, please don't embarrass us too much. And then we were like, hold on, what now? And there were some some low points. You know, every time we played St. Louis in the regular season in St. Louis, it sucked. It absolutely sucked. And then you fast forward to the end of the playoffs, and we played St. Louis five times last year. And it was split sporting kc3 st louis two. be able to uh, to smack them at their home stadium in the playoffs when it counted finish the job in kansas city and if you're the league you couldn't have asked for a better start to the newest rivalry in, in mls because yeah. now there's already some organic bad blood that's just been built by the fact that you know more than 10 percent of the games that sporting played in mls were against st louis city last year
2: it's crazy man getting knocked out of the playoffs by houston it, I didn't feel anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, "It's fine, good game, everyone. We'll go home now."
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they were I, handing out
1: snacks and stuff. Yeah, that was good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah we we were constantly on here talking about like I, I don't know. I just had belief in the club that I was like, you know, we had questions like, "How long of Alicia's leash does Vermees have?" But I was like, "You have to stay the course." I think here and. You know, I kept pointing to Seattle, 2016, how they were like god awful, and then they, you know, bring in Smetcher, right? Uh, then they bring in um, Nico Ladero, and then they just go on the run and win MLS Cup. And you're like, with the, you're never truly out, right? Like we were kept, we kept yeah. looking at Miami, like, hey, when are when are they turning it on? And they they made a little bit of a run at times, but uh, you're never truly out of it until you're mathematically eliminated, really, in this league. <laughs>
3: Yeah. And, you know, Peter Vermees might have been fired had they not just agreed to an extension with him immediately before the season. They right, kind of handcuffed right. themselves. were like, OK, yeah, we're going to extend the guy. And then the worst possible thing happens. We go on a 10 game losing streak. And, yeah, people are openly calling
2: for his job. And, you know, he, he clapped back. Remember, he got the mic at one of their mm-hmm. little uh, after game celebrations and was like, I don't think that's OK you to call for my job oh yeah i remember that
3: (laughs) i mean he takes notes he he has receipts at the end of the season when he was like i know a lot of you stuck with us and he was like well 95 percent of you there's some of you that gave up and and so like he he knows it he hears it. Dude's got um, a burner account on Twitter for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was a fantastic turnaround coaching job where he figured some things out and he got some key players back from injury. I don't think it absolves him from you know all criticism. Yeah, I think yeah. there were there are certainly some things. You know, if you're going to talk about well, the starters are injured and there's not a lot of depth. Well, there's there's one man who's responsible for building the roster and it's Peter Vermees. So you know there there's some some questions to be asked there. There's some questions to be asked about the Sporting KC Academy pipeline. You know, there was a little bit of a run with, you know, Buzio and, and Daniel Shallowy, and then it looked like somebody like Felipe Hernandez or whatnot may come on. Uh, I think we maybe found lightning in a bottle with Jake Davis last year, who was a midfielder forced into right back due to injuries. But Sporting KC's Academy has not been the pipeline that Vermees talked about it at, at right, one point. Right. So, you know, that it'll be really interesting to see you know, this, if if things don't go well again this year, we're going to be right back to people openly calling for his job.
1: So they bid adieu to Graham Zuzzi, um and Roger Espinoza. Uh, can you guys just kind of reflect on the time that they had in Sporting Kansas City? They were such a staple there. Um, what's the what's the feeling around Sporting Kansas City? I know they didn't they weren't as integral as they've got later into their careers, but um, just kind of talk to the the people they are, and if you had any interactions with them or fans that. I mean, those two guys are were, were absolutely monsters for this team. So if you just kind of reflect on them.
2: Oh, Legends, right? I mean, just uh, they will go on the sporting wall of Legends at some point. I'm sure there'll be some sort of ceremony. Yeah. Uh, Roger was always that guy that you knew was going to come in and make a difference somewhere, whether it was uh, being physical or getting a red card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Zeus, <laughs> yeah. people wanted to move on from Zeus year after year after year. And I would just say, shut the hell up. Like the man, he earns a spot back every time he'll get injured, work his way back to being healthy and be right back in the lineup making plays. So it's just, I don't know. And two, two of the nicest guys, we had him on the show. Uh, Just excellent gentlemen
3: yeah we uh you know we i think they both joined us like from from their apartments and yeah. and you oh, know, wow. zeus, yeah. zeus has is a, is a lovely interior designer with plants and everything and you know his apartment <laughs> looked lovely and um they got yeah we those,
2: what are you talking about we, uh, houses Kansas apart- City. Yeah,
3: could be um <laughs> roger espinoza was on roger technically was on twice because you were interviewing lola bonta his wife who plays for the current and then That's we right. find out that roger is just sitting off camera and they start like communicating with each other while she's on the podcast but you know roger in particular, especially for the the players who come from Spanish-speaking countries, they always roomed with Roger Espinoza throughout the entire preseason, mm-hmm. and he sort of took them under his wing and, it, and, and helped them understand what Sporting Kansas City's culture is and what it means to be a sporting player. That's something that's going to be very hard to replicate because you don't really have a legend in the way that Roger was, especially who had that, you know, um, FA Cup, victory under yes, his belt with just, yeah. yeah yeah it instantly brings some credibility and then with with zeus just the way he reinvented himself as you know he he came in as a midfielder then then sort of became a star as a winger and and went with Beasler to play with the u.s men's national team in the 2014 world cup and he and Beasler had interest from europe and decided no we're going to re-up and stay with sporting kansas city as designated players and then to switch to right back after johnny russell came in and was the clear number one at, at right wing and it's just there's so much history there. Um, I don't think anybody's surprised that they were gone, and I don't know, Dan. It almost feels like we've been in this like slow morning of what was once considered like the prime SKC core because Benny Fellhaber he he left a little while ago. Seth Sinovic he left a little while ago. Um, you know, Roger Espinoza his playing time started dwindling and, and, and same left, with right Beesler like, left yeah. so it was kind of like every year another piece of that like 2013-2014 core that was so synonymous with the club kind of left and now i mean it's really you know tim Melia, andre Fontes, daniel Shallowy, and johnny russell are the veterans and and they all are you know 2017-2018 or later there is no more of mls cup sporting left other than peter Vermese
2: good point man and and with zeus i mean he was one of the most philanthropic guys you'll ever find in the city i mean he was always volunteering with the kids at children's mercy uh, and he was always doing something amazing with his gorgeous hair so i mean you you knew (laughs) you knew the guy you recognized him
0: do you guys remember the old mbc sports show that they did it like when they had the rights to the thing but it was like mls 36 and they would follow around like a player for 36 hours they followed around, I think it was Zuzi and Beasler one time. And I just remember them like hanging out in like a cafe uh, in Kansas City and like people walking by and be like, hey, it's Beasler and Zuzi. And it's just like really yeah. cool to see that. Um, yeah. That's the kind of stuff I want more on Apple uh, MLS season pass.
2: For sure. Yeah. yeah. Humanize these guys a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Definitely. MLS is it's getting bigger. And so these players are getting less access to fans and stuff. I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember the last time we we had access to fans the most. I remember in 2015, I was like, we got to enjoy this little beer festival Mm -hmm. mingling with sporting players because that's going to go away. Yeah. there will be no mingling yeah
3: we had sporting players graham Zusi and roger espinoza literally behind the bar like pouring drafts for people <laughs> and you're sitting there talking and dom dwyer's there and he was like yeah. snapping my brother alongside me like that's awesome it was a time in mls that like and especially in a town like kansas city which it's a you know a decent-sized city but it's not la new york or whatever right. it there was like this like city camaraderie between the sporting players and and the sporting fans that you couldn't really replicate for the Royals or the chiefs or whatever. Cause it was just a different level. And I don't think we're getting that back really because MLS right. is in a different phase now. So it's, you know, it's still cool. It's still better than it is with other sports, but yeah, um, yeah, the, them leaving is officially sort of like, it's almost like the end of an MLS era in Kansas mm. city.
0: Good point. Yeah. Those were, uh, those were some good teams. I used to admire them all the time. You know, uh, I was sadly, at the U.S. Open Cup win 2015 when they beat the Union uh, in, in Philadelphia.
3: Jordy Quintilla. <laughs> nice.
0: Yes, but I what took a, a picture. A I name. saw Jimmy Conrad, and I was yelling at him, and I think he thought I was going to attack him, but I was like, can I just get a <laughs> selfie? And uh, I got a selfie of Jimmy Conrad that day, so that was nice. Have uh, you heard the yeah. uh,
3: the infamous Jordy Quintilla story that he tells about right before he took that that game-winning no. penalty kick? Mm-hmm. Jacob Peterson was supposed to take the penalty kick. That ended up being the, the winning penalty kick. And, and Jake's about to, to go up to take it. And Jordy stops him. And, and and where was Jordy? Was he Chilean? I forget where he was from. Somewhere in South America. He, he he was speaking English, but couldn't speak it that well. And he just stops him. He goes, Jake, I go. And then he goes up and <laughs> hits the game-winning penalty kick. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very <laughs> Danny he's Rojas. A player. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he's from Spain. Spain. Yeah.
1: All right. Logan, yeah. So I think the next one is yours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, you look at this roster, and, and we kind of joked about them not really making any moves, and I guess it's not really joking, but it, it's been—I it, imagine it's been tough, um, obviously, with all that's been going on, and, and getting in a new sporting director, and and like you said, with Peter's role changing in that org chart, just kind of shifting around. So I think pieces are coming. It's just a matter of when—possibly um, the summer window that they're looking at. Uh, but if you guys will just talk to. Kind of reflecting on last year, they kind of have taken that roster and uh, minus some midfielders and moved it into 2024. I love that Alan Polito is finally healthy and looks like he's getting into to score some goals, which I think a lot of people knew he could do at this you know at this clip. Um, so if you guys will just kind of speak to some of the the remnants of this roster, what's left um, going forward in 2024 as they kind of shed off some of these veterans that have been around, like you said, Jimmy, for some of these uh, championship uh, cup-winning, title-winning teams, if you'll just talk a little bit about last year, kind of moving into this year.
2: Look, you briefly mentioned Alan Polito, and I think it goes without saying that if that man is not healthy, we might have a hard game. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter if he's on the field not scoring goals. Like, I mean, because he makes everyone else better around him. He draws in so many defenders, and it leaves someone else else open. Um, He's not doing the flashy things but it works. So when he's healthy, it's like, I mean, we were a better team last year, right, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's,
3: you I've never seen a striker play the way Alan Polito does. I mean, he, he can yeah. play up as an out and out striker. And then there's sometimes he drops as deep as a six and he's basically playing defensive midfield and and it creates so much confusion for defenders. So he's definitely the key. You did mention the midfield. That's where the most turnover has been. And that's the biggest, um, I would say question mark in a way for how this season will go for sporting Kansas city, because their, their biggest strength when they got healthy and went on their run was they had four starting caliber midfielders between uh, Nemanja Rodoja at the number six, Remy Voltaire at the eight, and then you had two number tens that also could play as eights in Gadi Kinda and Eric Tommy, who were both designated players gadi kinda has since gone back to his home country of israel so sporting have an open designated player spot eric tommy is the presumed starting number eight but gadi kinda's gone roger espinosa has gone uh, felipe gutierrez he came back and played with sporting kansas city last year he has since retired from soccer those are three playable midfielders who have a lot of experience who are no longer with the club so there hasn't been really any new midfielders that have been brought in there's rumors of kellen acosta that have kind of been lurking around which I would gladly take if the price was right under a million dollars and you can, you can make sure that he's not costing you a DP spot. Yeah. I'm I'm willing to entertain that. Um, but yeah, there really haven't been any new additions. There is that lingering designated player spot that they're not going to rush into anything. I think it, it'll be the summer at the earliest where we see that. But as we know with Peter Vermees, he can be a little stubborn and, and when he makes a move because he sold Dom Dwyer to Orlando city for whatever it was, 1.2 million or a million or whatever it was, And then it was like two or three years before Alan Polito came in and really established himself as the replacement. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I think that right back spot feels pretty decent with Jake Davis, but he's also played, I don't know, 15 games at that position. So can he continue it into this next season? And if not, there's no other backup there. That's, you know, got the experience that Zussi did. There's Caden Pierre, who's been injured for more than a year and he's another young guy. So I don't know. There's not a lot of margin for error with this team, and and Peter says there will be more players that come in before the season starts. But we also don't really have any international spots left because we just traded a few of them to Charlotte. So they're, they're, we're we're looking at domestic players like Kellen Acosta.
2: It's it's the the, the season's up in the air, really. I mean, it's uh, it, it it'll be interesting to see how we start. Peter's still sticking by that, uh, yeah, it's going to take us a few games to get ready. It's like, no, Peter, don't say that. We know what a few games to get ready means, and it made us all—it made 10. us all want to cancel our tickets. You know? I
3: mean, you, you laugh, you joke about ten, but that's honestly that's what Peter has said word for word. It yes. takes you 10, ten games to know what kind of team you have, and ten games into last year, we were winless, and then <laughs> by by points per game, after that. We were the best in the West. Best yeah. Team. And that was good enough to barely squeak into the playoffs.
2: I almost wish we would have lost 11 games and he would have been like, it takes 11 games. to get one <laughs> <up."> <laughs> it takes that up. It's research, baby. Yeah. No, yeah.
1: I love that. But no, and I, and I do wonder too, like just kind of circling back to everything, like, it, does it, does it impact anything that they do moving forward with what happened in the off season? Like, do you think that that really changes anything that landscape of do players want to go play now for Peter Vermees? He seems like the grumpy boss that gets his way with what he wants to do. And I've always felt that he's had a, it's more strict and more of a style of, I don't know. It it seems like Peter's going to control what he can control and he's going to make the decisions based off what he thinks is best. And with him still kind of still sitting in this weird I guess, no man's land as kind of a sporting director. Now, like, do you guys see that as possibly being an issue for players that want to come into sporting Kansas city now that he's created this kind of mess with what, you know, whether it was him or whether it was ownership or a partnership of both.
3: It's a, it's a good question. I mean, I don't know what you expect the current players to say, but whenever you talked about, talk to them about um, Peter Vermees, they're all very complimentary. I, I do think he's a good coach. Um, so I think once you're there as a player, it's it's not ter- like yeah he's he's a hard ass at times and yeah. especially if you're if you're a, a left back or, or a right back you're gonna hear it because you're running up and down the, the, yeah. the, the touch line where, where he <laughs> is. But yeah. um, I I don't know that it's that so much um, you know and and the facilities that that Kansas City has are incredible. You know Peter Vermees has said once you get a player here, it, it's easy to sell them. The hardest part is getting a player to Kansas city in the first place Mm -hmm. to even see it because not a lot of people know about Kansas city or or they didn't at least Um, when you're competing with Miami and and Lionel Messi and David Beckham, or you're competing with New York city or Chicago or Los Angeles, that's a hard sell. Um, Quite honestly, having somebody of the stature of Patrick Mahomes has elevated the, 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 the Kansas city landscape in general. More people now know what Kansas
2: city is than they Uh. did pre Patrick Mahomes. We want to talk so, about that? He got a picture with Anton Griezmann after his <laughs> game out there, right?
3: Yeah, there. I mean, there have been, you know, for two or three years now, rumors of, well, Griezmann come to Kansas yeah. City because he's, you know, BFFs with Patrick apparently. And he loves saying uh, he
0: wants to play in MLS too. Griezmann says like every time, like, I want to go over there. So, right.
3: And I would take a wing right now or an attacking midfielder. So, hey, Antoine, you know, let's talk. But it's, I, I think the bigger question for for Vermees is this is a really important season. Can you transition into letting go of a little bit of power to allow you to focus more on your coaching abilities? Because I think we have a really good case study in another sport of what happens when you don't do that and you try to do everything yourself. And arguably the greatest coach of all time in NFL history just got Mm -hmm. fired from his job because he couldn't let go of the roster construction part that he was not good at in Bill Belichick. And now is jobless as of this recording, even though he was a great actual coach. We think Tom Brady might say
0: different. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for our final question here, it's the one we always like to ask here. What's a successful season for sporting Kansas city this year? Is it improving off of last year? Like either not having a 10 game losing streak or winless streak, or is it a like get to the conference finals? Like what is the, the line here?
2: Man, I think you want to miss that, uh, that play in game, right? You don't want to yeah. have to play San Jose to penalties on a Wednesday night, and then turn around and play the best in the West on Saturday. You know, it's, uh, it's a rough time. So I mean, if you can miss that game, that's a success in my book.
3: Yeah, I mean, I will say the way that that sporting talks about competing for trophies, and and quite honestly, the way that this fan base has, has come to expect being competitive, which even though it's a different MLS landscape and everything, I would argue that, if you don't get back, or if you don't get to the conference final game, there's going to be a, a, a pretty decent portion of the fan base that that may not be happy. Because then, how many times over the last, you know, it's, it's 12 years now, 11 years now since the last MLS Cup run, there have been two or three, four times that we've made it to that conference final and haven't been able to do it. So there's only so many times where you can say, well, yeah, we made it to the playoffs and we got to the conference semifinals and, and then soccer happened. Eventually you got to get over that hump because, because you're running out of uh, that, that cachet and that trust with the fan base. So um, that, that I would say as of now, that's a tall ask of this sporting Kansas city team. If I were a betting man, I would not put money on the sporting Kansas city team as currently constructed to make it to the conference finals. But if you take the temperature of the fan base, if they get into the playoffs and lose in the first or second round again, I don't think many will be happy.
0: All right, thank you. No, I agree with. I probably agree with that. Um, Yeah. So if one of you guys want to just say where they can follow your show and follow you guys on socials, and then we'll get you out of here.
3: Yeah, check us out, KC uh, Sports Network. You can see KCSN Soccer wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube. We got a YouTube channel. You can see Dan's gorgeous background on uh, KCSN Soccer. Every, or the uh, hair every week <laughs> or the hair the hair is great sometimes it's in a man bun you never know um so kcsn soccer on YouTube or uh, where you get your podcast you can follow us no other pod on uh, Twitter and Instagram and then I'm at jC Mac 03 if you want to see my wild takes and Dan's at uh at Dan kuzer I believe right
0: mm-hmm. yeah all right thanks guys
3: thank you all enjoyed thank it thank you
0: All right. So let's go ahead and give our report card for 2023. Logan, this might sound crazy. I'm going to go B minus. I'm going to give them the minus for the bad streak, but I I think being the best team in the West from May onward and knocking off the one seed gets you a B. I just really think it does. Um, They seemed very, very satisfied with how they got in the playoffs and bounced out. Now, of course that's going to change going into this year, as they said. So, You can't do that twice, right? You can't have like a 10-game winless streak and squeak in again and knock off the one seed again and be satisfied. You want to see some progression, but I got B- minus for last year.
1: Yeah, I think we talk about this a lot in sports, right, where you you get into a a big hole and you climb out of it, but you just don't have enough steam to keep it going. And I think that that translates more into like what this season means for them, 2024. 2023, like you said, Jordan, I think it was. I think it was a B. I'm going to give them a B because I think – this team outside of that horrible start with the 10 matches, uh, this team's a pretty good team in the West. And like, I know they struggle defensively, uh, but uh, again, I, they just found ways to win. Like, They're a lot different than some teams we covered, Jordan, because when it came time to find ways to win, they do it. Whereas I think we talk a lot about some teams where it's like they score a lot, they don't fend very well, and they just don't know how to pull out wins. This team was the opposite, and I think that has a lot to do with their veteran presence, and I think it has a lot to do with Pierre Vermeesh.
0: All right, so successful season. Dan said playoffs, not the wild card. Mm -hmm. Jimmy said that the fans will probably want conference finals. I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, you have to get not the wild card spot. I'm going to agree with Dan here, playoffs, not wild card, because you want to see progression in the table. And then I feel like sometimes judging stuff by playoffs on like when they start, like getting to a conference final, getting to – is really just like – anything can happen, right? Especially in MLS playoffs. Yeah. So I feel like a success will be like, all right, they finished eighth, maybe finish six, get above the wild card, you know, play, play a different team. You know, mm-hmm. you're not playing the one seed then, and let's see how you shake out. So, uh, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, and and the one seat that's sitting there, Jordan, is not usually an expansion side. Yes. yeah, <laughs> they got I mean? lucky like, with that. They
0: did. Yeah, because and they had a hot start. Vermees, like they had the opposite. Vermees and SKC have so much more experience than than what St. Yeah. Louis had, and that was very yeah. key, I think, in in St. Louis absolutely losing to SKC in the in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I'm excited because we'll have the guys from ball watching on to, to do the next half or the, the next other, the other other side of it. The other side of this, of right, for St. Louis. But I think St. Louis kind of had the – they kind of had a, a – you know, I wouldn't say collapse, but they, they did not play as well um, as they started, obviously, because they just kept winning. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, Jordan, exactly what you said. Like, I, I'd say verbatim, word for word what you said, um, because okay. I, I do. I think they, they've got to get to that position, right? They've, they've got to be able to – a successful season for them and sporting Kansas city is one of those teams that you, they're not a team that likes to just sit down on the bottom of the table. Like they're just not. And Peter Rick is not going to be happy with that. I think they're very calculated in the moves they make. I don't think a signing's coming unless it's going to be Kellen Acosta. Does he really move the needle? I don't think so, but I think with the DP spot open in the summer, that seems to be when they really like to make a splash. Because they're very patient, I think that's where you're going to see a bigger splash, and maybe this SKC team really start to push towards like that that sweet spot where they need to be above where they don't have to play that wild card game anymore.
0: All right, moving on to Dallas. What? Sorry, getting to my notes here on Dallas. <laughs> um, what? Uh... What were your thoughts on Dallas last year? Because if I'm giving them, I'll give out my report card very early here on this one because I felt like I had high hopes going in for Dallas last year. Where did I put them? I had put them on uh, second. You'd put them third. I thought maybe they were really going to see an increase. They ended up finishing just out of the wild card spot by two points in seventh, which is, a huge disappointment for me. So while it's gonna seem weird that I gave San Jose a C plus, I'm giving them a C minus. I think when it comes to report cards, sometimes it's expectations. And this team did not meet those expectations. I think there was times during the season where they were kinda of higher, but then they just like were always I'd always look at the table and be like, wow, there's they're still kinda of low. I thought they were gonna turn it on at some point, and they never really did.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think going into the season, I mean, they, they've got talent for days on that roster, especially in the attack. I think when you look at the attack of, uh, you had O'Brien, you had uh, Paul Areola, uh, you had Alan blasco uh, you, you look at that attack and go, okay, cool. Um, they did struggle with uh, some injuries, but I, I think looking at the team, looking at how deep they were I, I agree with you there were times where I'm like okay I'm waiting for Dallas to take off okay they, they, they can replace some of these players that they're, they're they're missing but it never came to fruition I think uh reliance on on not being injured all year uh, for some of these players uh, is key and, and maybe adding in some pieces that are uh, attack minded and uh getting to a point where they they feel comfortable where they can start to create some of these goals and goal opportunities that they were missing so yeah, I think definitely a mixed uh, mixed bag because of the injuries. So uh, we've used that a lot. This this, uh, but I, I feel like once you get to this part of the the conference, you you have a lot of positives and a lot of negatives, and they kind of clash together um, because they're they're not one of the top teams, so they obviously have issues. And I and I think Dallas was just consistency in finding attacking players and consistency uh, in games where they where they needed to finish but didn't uh, and having a consistent starting 11. So yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go as far as a grade with them. I'm going to go probably like a C plus. I think, you know, they've, they had some obstacles that, that every team runs into that, you know, it's kind of a bummer uh, when you have these obstacles as a team with, with injuries and personnel. So I'm going to say that that's where, that's where they kind of land for me.
0: All right. So they gave up 37 goals, which is the second least, Right, And you're like, oh, that sounds sounds pretty good. In the West, by the way, not second-least overall. Just second-least in the West. But they only scored 41, so they end up with a plus-4 goal differential. But, you know, the attack was kind of the weakness of the team here. And they kind of ended up just being, across the board, like, okay, 11 wins, 10 losses, 13 draws. Like, it's a very balanced season for them and unfortunately that puts you square mid table right like if you have just barely a positive goal differential and your wins losses and draws are almost even and you end up seven out of 14 that seems about right and unfortunately i felt like they could have probably been such a better team than they were like who who saw vancouver coming who saw rsl being as good as they were i had dallas above both of them you know and it ends up uh and st louis doing so well like nobody really predicted that you know um yeah i mean if you show our things here we're wrong most of the time so uh let's move forward to looking at maybe what is happening this season so they lost a few players right uh they have um Jose Martinez de- departed. Yader O'Brien. Do I say that right? That's how O'Brien, I always want to say it. I believe it I, is. O'Brien. There you go. And then I hear it yeah. on the radio or on the TV and I'm like, oh, yes. man. O'Brien and then Facundo uh, Qui-Gon. Uh, <laughs> it looks just like it, though. Quignan. uh Quignon? Quignon? Yeah. There you go. I'm not good at names. Signing so far, they bring in uh Ines Sali who's a Romanian winger uh, coming over as the MLS U22 DP type signing. Uh, Omar Gonzalez, who's coming over from the revolution, Patrickson Delgado, who's on loan from an Ecuadorian top flight side. So they're bringing in, you know, midfield. We just talked about defense with Omar. So that's kind of boosting that up a bit. Another winger, so you're hoping that that might alleviate some of the concerns offensively and that you hope that maybe some of these players that maybe didn't do as well will kind of rebound. Um, what are your thoughts on their signings and maybe what needs to happen for them in 2024?
1: Yeah, I think they're trying to find a nice mix um, because I I think when you look at the roster, um, Alan Velasco gone. Uh, so I think... That leaves a hole, and I think Camungo played well. He had six goals last season. He's 21 years old. Um, he, he's somebody that is promising. Um, Jesus Ferreira, I think, when he gets going, he's one of the top nines in this league. He can even kind of drop back into like a second striker. So if they really find somebody that's a forward that I, they think can pair with uh, Jesus, which I always thought that he would find because um, he's more of that deeper lying nine rather than the typical upfront create his own kind of goals. Um,
0: Yeah. So we got to talk about this actually. Jesus Ferreira. Uh, This story kind of came in last week. I think it was around the time we were recording the Miami preview that FC Dallas received a bid from Russian side Spartak Moscow. Of 13, 13, 13 and a half million dollars for Jesus Ferrer, who wanted to move to Dallas, uh, not Dallas, sorry, to, to Russia, Moscow. And, uh, ended up, it it got denied by the league. And I know some people were flipping out about this. When I first read it, I was kind of like, what, why would the league step in on this? Like, I understand Russia, all this kind of stuff. but. What's well, been reported is Talk Moscow is owned by a company that the U S has actually put sanctions on and ca- and they cannot do trade in this country. So Dallas wouldn't be able to collect the transfer from them. And then also just a lot of Russian companies have had sanctions on them and Russia itself. I think where they can't do business with us right now due to the Ukraine stuff. So the war in Ukraine, uh, So it's, it's seen now, like why they put a stop to it, but I know some people are flipping out about it. Uh, but the league does have final say. And I think this is probably, I I don't know how this transfer gets that far without Dallas realizing that they probably wouldn't be able to collect anything with with who owns them and stuff. I just kind of figure out what they're, were they just seeing dollar signs and thinking, all right, now it's time to move on or, or what?
1: yeah i think they were playing fifa and they're like oh maybe that team will take him because they took him in the game so they called him up and didn't even think about you know the, the transfer but also like it, it's strange to me that the that ownership was willing to to go into russia and thinking that was best for jesus and what's going on currently in world conflict like
0: and that Jesus, zeus yeah it's he, yeah, he wanted to true. go
1: so and especially because i think gosh there's a lot of other places that would take jesus so i don't know I, it was interesting to me um but he scored in the preseason game against Miami. Looked good. Uh,
0: yeah, early too. Yeah, Wasn't that it was a really, really early. Four yeah. minutes in. Or something?
1: So uh, no, he looks good, and I think that's that's he's so critical to to their season. And my concern too is that maybe they were looking to collect the money before they made that deal, but they didn't have any idea as to where they were moving on to next. So it really again. Curious. Yeah,
0: who would they? It would have lost yeah. goal but here
1: we are with dallas once again right um and maybe we talk a little bit about this and shed light on that they're, they they always look very willing to move on from their players without much of a plan going forward like they always have young talent that they're like all right this is great let's move on from them <laughs> i don't know like
0: yeah i mean especially their right yes. backs right they're like all right get rid of you oh brian reynolds steps up all right, i get rid yeah. of you four games after you start it it's like yes. what are they doing over yeah
1: there? so but no like jordan they've got such a a promising uh attack like you look at that and they're one of the best attacks on paper i think but none of them stay healthy Ariola doesn't stay healthy Pomacle's yeah. never healthy legit he's getting older like it, it, they don't they're not going to be somebody that, that so they're relying on some of the youth uh that they have paul Ariola.
0: Sometimes there's trouble with that. But,
1: and again, I I think that's, that's where you run into the issue is they're going to rely on a lot of these players that inconsistency has been their thing. And Jesus Ferreira, same thing. He'll have flashes where he looks like golden boot. Then he has flashes where he just completely disappears. So it, it, it is, it's a lot of inconsistency. Their defense is always really good. um, And they've got a really young promising talent uh, coming up. So in Safari, so I, I don't, I don't know any you know he's 25 when i say young um that's not true i guess <laughs> he's 25 is pretty old for soccer um but uh i mean he's in his prime i guess you could say but they've got a great goalkeeper and in pies or is it pace or pace i can't remember remember how to say it. i think it's pace um so again they, they've got a solid core and skeleton and around the team But the inconsistencies of of a lot of their players is is a major concern.
0: So if you're looking at a successful season for them next year, this year, 2024, what are you looking at? Because I'm looking at, like you said, the, the attack needs to be better, right? And I think if the attack's better and their defense is still solid, that should raise them up the table quite a bit. Um, I mean, other teams near them had 55 goals, 48 goals, 51 goals. So if you add another 10 goals and you keep only giving up 37 or less, you're looking at a, a that sounds like Houston, by the way, 51 and 38. Yeah. Uh, so that puts you in top four. So if I'm going, what a successful season is, just get the get into the top four, do what I thought you were going to do last year. Um, this is a team that absolutely should be pushing for that. You know, you're reading some of these names on the depth chart. Like you said, Pomicle, uh, Legette, Ariola, Hazers, Ferreira. Like, those are big names. Uh, Omar Gonzalez is coming over. Like, they should be pushing for a top four spot in the West. I think they can get there, but it's going to take... You know, when you're looking at the top four, that would have to take either Houston or St. Louis falling out because I do think, not to spoil it, I think Seattle and LAFC. You can always bet on them being in the top four. So there's really only two spots open in that top four most of the time. So they have to leapfrog Vancouver, RSL, Houston, and or St. Louis to to get in there. And I think those are teams that they can absolutely do. They've done it in the past. It's just, you know, can they actually do it? But for me, it's top four. I know that sounds maybe harsh to Dallas fans. I don't know what Dallas fans expect, but I feel like this club is a club that used to be challenging for supporter shields and like making runs in playoffs when they were under... Um, uh, when they were under... Uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, Orlando's manager. Oscar Perea? Oscar Perea. Why am I blanking on that? Okay. Um, and I feel like... Th- for them, they've kind of fallen off a bit on that. And with the squad that they have, they should be maybe challenging for that type of stuff again. I would assume fans are, along with the same thought as I am, they're they're an original club from 1996. They should be
1: pushing. Yeah, I feel like, Jordan, more seasons than not recently, we've talked about how Dallas can make that push, right, to the top four and, and be a, a competitor, especially with the defense they have. They've always had a really good defense. And uh, to give up 37 goals, that's nuts. Like, there's not many teams that – that allow that that, that little. Um, so yeah, it, they need 10 or 12 goals. I'm not sure they've got anything on the roster that can do that. So we're still here, right? We're still here, I think, with Dallas. We're still at that. There's still a, a a successful season for them. Yeah, it would be a top four position, but I just, don't, I just don't see it yet. Like I don't see, they need a lot more from their attacking players and those attacking players are, are getting older. Like those windows are closed. Um, so it, it, it seems that you know, I don't think Paul Ariel is going to have a year like he's had in the past. I don't think Jesus Ferreira uh, is going to continue to stay in Dallas. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know where you go. And if they're looking to sell Jordan, this this smells like blow up. Like, this smells like uh, we could be looking at this team as one of those teams. We go, wow, they really, they, they've really missed the mark. Um, I don't know if their defense allows that, but their attacking front is still wavering in the wind and I, I just don't see where they're going to get much better. So successful season top four. will we'll, we'll see once we get the predictions.
0: You know, it's funny is uh sees season... Okay. So how many goals did they give up in 2022? Do you know?
1: I'm going to guess 39.
0: 37. Did they really?
1: So yeah. they've been one of the most elite defenses. How many,
0: how many did they score? I'm going
1: to guess 43.
0: 48 so they might only need seven more goals uh to, to, and they were right. top three in 2022 so uh the defense is a top three defense it's can they get the offense and that's going to be the big question for them going forward so you said top four as yeah. well or were you leaning more like okay
1: yeah we're a, a successful season yeah but when we're talking about other things it yeah, yeah. will be later
0: yeah when we actually right. do the predictions Okay, uh Vancouver. Moving on to Vancouver, as we're uh, just got two clubs left to talk about here. Vancouver Whitecaps did uh talk about a bounce back, right? Uh they made the playoffs in the 6th spot. They were I think exciting, right? Like that they were an exciting team to watch. It was great to see. I always like when Vancouver's good. Um I just love when you know, I, I, the Cascadia region is, is good. And, uh, you know, Portland just missed it by one pointer. We would have had all three in there. And I think that would have been like the first time because Vancouver like barely ever makes the playoffs. Um, don't quote me on that though. Cause I'm not actually sure on, uh, on a time if they've all made it or not, but Vancouver doesn't make it a lot. They made the playoffs. They had 55 goals scored, gave up 48. Um, which is still pretty good compared to some of these goals that people were giving up in the fifties on the bottom of the table. So that's why they're kind of sitting mid table, 12 wins, 10 losses, 12 draws, seven goal differential, 1.41 points per match. So, you know, sixth place, uh, much higher than I think we had them. I had Vancouver at 10, you had them at 11. Not that we're experts, but, uh, just, you know, totally, exceeded expectations i feel like for me i have to put them so they lost to lafc in the conference semifinals of course but i have to put them at like a uh a last year what would i i'd probably give them a b plus i think that's a good season for them i don't know if i can go as high as an a or a plus but for them i think it's a b plus
1: yeah, the beginning of the beginning of the season and the end of the season were kind of underwhelming, but they had a nice stretch in between. I think it was like April, um, like beginning of May, uh, where they they started to turn it on a little bit. Like the, the beginning of their season, uh, I think they had two wins in nine games. So uh, and then got absolutely smashed in in the Concacaf Champions League by LAFC uh, on a heck of a game. I think it was six <laughs> nil. It was nuts. Like it was like oh dear. Um, but yeah, they I. They did. They, they started out the season and then it was kind of like, okay, here goes Vancouver again, doing the Vancouver thing they like to do. And then they had a real good stretch in the middle of the season that really seemed to turn it around. Um, they, they switched up their uh, their formation out of uh, the Christmas tree uh, into a three one four two, and that seemed to be the answer. Andres Kubas uh, had a, a phenomenal season along with Ryan Gold. Um, and Ryan Gold is one of the best uh, wingers in this league, I think. One of the best playmakers. And he just does You don't talk a lot about and that's what you and I talk about. We we don't talk a whole ton about Vancouver and we didn't really last year because right in the middle of the season is when they had their nice run. And that's such a rough patch for MLS because you've got Leagues Cup, you've got the the tougher months, and some of these teams are that they're playing are playing in other competitions, so they they took advantage of that. Um, and I think that's where Vancouver really sits a lot of times, is they they they're underwhelming, overwhelming, and then a little bit underwhelming. Like it it always seems to be that, that pattern of Man, they've got a good stretch, and man, they score goals, but they can't defend. They've never really been able to defend, and, and that's been the that's been it. What we can talk about that, but like, if they figure that out, they had the second most goals in the Western Conference. They have one of the best attacking players in the whole league in Brian White. Like, <laughs> how do you how do you yeah. contend? And and that's the thing with a lot of these teams, like with Dallas, same thing, right? We just talked about Dallas. Figure it out. You've got one aspect of the game to figure out, and then you're a contender. And I think Vancouver has that same thing. They, they play that back three, and I think that's, you know, if they, if they figure out how to get a game-changing center back, game-changing defensive midfield, which I think they've got that in Andres Cubas. like, I, I think you've got a good team here. And I think, you know, looking at this team in the Western Conference, they can make some noise. They'll rattle some cages this year, I think. But they've got to get off to a better start. We always do this. Like we, They always start off like this team that's that's never going to be able to kind of satisfy those expectations so that's my that's my task for them going into re- reflecting on 2023 i think a, a c plus a b minus Ooh, that's yeah slower. That's slower. but i, but that's I think fun. because of the the because of the way that they play mid-season I, I was like that that's where the expectation was and i don't think it was met right away maybe a b minus maybe i'm being a little harsh but i, I think they did they they the attacking front really figured it out, and I think set themselves up for a really nice season in twenty twenty four they can just get out of the gates
0: all right, so uh, you you mentioned some of those players to build around, right? you have ryan gold who, who they did sign uh, an extension with. they have uh, Andreas Kubas, Brian White, vesselnovich, uh, Ali Ahmad, uh, so then they are. Bringing in some players, and they brought in uh, a couple players so far. They brought in Demir Krylock. They brought in Fafa Picot, Picot, who left uh, was it Nashville? He was yeah. last at. Um. Uh, former Philadelphia Union, FC Dallas, Houston Dynamo, Nashville. I mean, look, he's gonna be one of the one of the ones Hi that tomorrow. you have to uh, <laughs> add into the the immaculate grids when they come in. So I, I love I love the Pico signing. I do. I think that will help them even more. And then bringing in Crylock is is another great another great signing coming over from RSL, of course. Um I, I think this team uh can be very, very fun. Very, very fun to to watch. Um I mean, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. Brian White scored 15 goals. Uh, Gold had 11 goals and 12 assists. So you're talking about they, they need to keep that production up. But you're also hoping, if not okay, we brought in Fafafico. He's going to add maybe some some goals on the you know flanks when he's coming in. A successful season for them. I, I look if you're bringing Krylock from RSL. Like I feel like they can leapfrog RSL. RSL's uh, we're gonna talk about them next, but they gave up 50 goals. They only scored 48. That's a minus two goal differential. You're expecting that to maybe not go their way as much this, you know, this season. So if you're scoring a lot like Vancouver was, and still giving up 48, yes, but that's still not as much as RSL, who's also in that top six. Uh not as good, of course, as Dallas and Houston and LAFCs or Seattle's, but very close to St. Louis's. Um, you can, with giving up 48 goals, I think you can still climb this table. It's just when are you giving up those goals? Are you giving up in a nil-nil match where then you're not picking up the points? Are you giving them up in a one-nil match where then you're losing points to, uh, losing two points from a win to a draw? And I feel like that's what kind of happened to them because like I said, RSL is not minus two goal differential, but they have uh, four less draws, which, of course, helped RSL go uh, two points higher into the table. If you're Vancouver, they were probably having some matches where it's nil-nil, they give up a goal, uh, and then maybe some goal games where they're winning 3-1, 4-1, one, one, that is then adding to your goal stats, but only still getting you 12 wins. We just kind of talked about it with Dallas, but it's very, very mid-table form of 12 wins, 10 losses, 12 draws. It's very even across the board, and that's what you need to change. Uh, So you can still give up 48 goals. It's just when are you conceding them? Uh, Because St. Louis shows you can be top of the table with 45. So maybe you lessen the goals by three, four. Give up four less goals, five less goals and hopefully score as many as you did last year, plus more. And you're looking at maybe a top four spot. And I feel like that's what they should be aiming for. It's time for Vancouver to take the next step. And I think if you finish sixth place, fifth place is not that much different to say successful season. I think successful season has to be a top four.
1: Yeah. It feels like there's got to be two good Cascadian teams. Right. And uh, I don't think Portland's it. (laughs) So uh, it's your turn, Vancouver. And I think,
0: well, what we'll say too is that like they were really talking up Portland's going to be making two biggest signings of right. their history. They say so that could depend on that, but we'll cover that in the in the preview show if uh, the prediction show if, if they make them.
1: Yeah, a but we've seen that too, where where LAFC makes a huge two huge signings, and now those are both gone. Um, so it, it is. It's interesting. This league's interesting because you can make big signings. But I think speaking of big signings, I think Vancouver needs one, right? I don't know if it's a special number 10 because I don't think Vitae is ultimately the the player that takes you to the next level. He's just not that, that guy that talisman, like if you threw in like a Reynoso type player and I know that's like top of the league kind of stuff, Carlos Heal, Um, but even like a, a Ladero or, or somebody that's got that experience, right. That it was, you know, you need somebody of that caliber, that profile where they're, they're a good, they're above average and going to move the needle kind of 10. And I don't think they have that in Pedro Vita. Um, so I, it is. It's interesting to kind of see where Vancouver sits currently because I think they're just a few pieces away. Maybe a center back that that is can fill in either as a really really good depth piece or one of the starters. They did have an expected goal Jordan of uh, allowed of uh, forty three goals. So you know, luck wasn't necessarily on their side, but also like you said it's when and where you give up those goals where you can be competitive. And I think they gave up goals where they don't need to. Um, To have a plus seven goal differential, I think that's pretty decent, Uh, but that ultimately extends uh, to like a plus 12. And that's one of the top teams in the West if they don't give up some of those goals they shouldn't have. So um, yeah, I, I think ultimately, uh vancouver has some really exciting pieces i think they're just a player away player two, which i feel like they've been there before they've been in that oh, they're just a player or two away and then it, it comes crashing down and then that's when they're not having these great seasons but i don't think any of these players are on the move i don't think brian white's gonna go anywhere uh very quickly i think he's got another year with them at least so this might be the window right for for vancouver to jump into that four so I'm, yeah i'm gonna go successful season i would say into that four or five position Uh, progressing into one of those spots it's just so crowded up there I do think some of those teams looking at the top five are about on the same level as as Vancouver so yeah I'm gonna go like four or five positioning and really shooting for home field um, because I think that could be crucial to their success too
0: and what I'll say too is like obviously if they finish fifth and then make, like, the final of MLS Cup. like That's a 6 season. I'm like, yeah. not going to just go by placement, you know. But um, so that's really the next step is, like, yeah, they have to get top four for me. Or you have to make a run. Yeah, win like, a playoff you know, game. Conference finals. Yeah. Or Conference matchup. finals. <laughs> uh, <Games>. Yeah, <laughs> MLS Cup final. Like, you have to make a run there. Also, I want to correct myself. I said Cade Cal had three goals already. He does that's not. That's uh, Brandon Vasquez. Brandon oh. Vasquez, yes. Yeah, I had to correct myself. But still same thing uh <laughs> all right <laughs> rsl uh moving on to rsl are we we good yeah okay i uh, just wanted to sorry i didn't have my screen up so i was, was nodding my nodding head yeah and i was on mute you like staring yeah and things. i just
1: moved my hand off the thing so i could get back to it i was like oh man it's gonna be awkward for a minute here
0: All right, RSL. Let's move on to RSL. We kind of talked about them a little bit briefly because they finished fifth right above Vancouver. They had 14 wins, 12 losses, 8 draws, but only 48 goals scored, and they gave up 50 finished with a minus-2 goal differential. Uh, So room for improvement for RSL. But David Blitzer and Ryan Smith bought the club in 2022 after it was bought by the, by the league because of uh, the prior ownership. And 2023 started off with one win and four losses, zero draws. So absolutely brutal start for RSL. But they, they bounce back from mid-April to mid-July. They go 12 wins, two losses, seven draws. That's right. So seven draws out of their eight was in that April to mid-July spot. So they were they were they were flying pretty well uh, at that point and 12 wins during that time, uh, which put them top four of the West. And they got to the U.S. Open Cup semis. Uh, But then they kind of fall out of the top four and end up being fifth. Thanks to Houston, mostly. Houston kind of took that fourth spot away, away from them. And LAFC, for a while, was out of those places and kind of climbed back up. But that's uh, that's what RSL's uh, run was like. They bring in Chicho Arango, who, of course, comes over from Pachuca because uh, he left LAFC in 2022 at the end of MLS Cup. He wanted to come back to MLS. RSL... Got him in. Record signing. And they also had a record signing in January with Andreas Gomez, who came over. So they did two record signings, which fulfills the ownership saying that they wanted to spend on bringing top talent. Who would have ever thought Chicho Arango is going to be playing uh, at America First Field, I I guess you would call it now. I still like to call it Rio Tinto. Um, So you know what their biggest acquisition was in 2023 logan it was that i did not go to a game that's what i was just about year. to say uh so no no curse, curse their team
1: again they went they were we were top of the table that year and then jordan shows up and they barely make the playoffs i think <laughs> not no, like they were top they, they were, were playing really, really well like they second were playing really third.
0: well yeah. and then yeah All right, so they definitely need to do better defensively. We know that, right? Uh, They probably need to score more as well, 48. I don't know how that, like, nobody except for Seattle and Dallas in that top seven has less goals than them. Mostly it's 62, 54, 51, 55. And, of course, you have Seattle who somehow get up there with 41. We'll talk about them when we get to the next West episode, but they only gave up 32, Seattle. And then Dallas uh, scoring 41 as well. So RSL definitely want to score more. They want to give up less. I feel like that's what most teams would want. But uh, I don't know. I feel like they're probably in a really good spot. If we're grading them on last year... I think I have to give them, I'll give them a B minus and I'll give them the minus because they, they fell out of the top four, I think. And the negative goal differential, I, I feel like if they were top four with a positive goal differential, I'm probably giving them a B plus a minus, but I'm going to give them B minus. Uh, They didn't, you know, they brought in some great signings. This is the year that you want to really see takeoff. 2024
1: yeah i'm gonna go b minus i think the the owners are finally spending the money that they need to chicho rongo is is no joke um you add a, a golden boot caliber player and he gets six goals and like 12 appearances or nine like nine stars or something like that and that's that's massive if he continued at that clip um if he'd have played the whole season with them they'd have scored a lot more um their defense is still not great um and mcmath is good in goal uh, and and justin glad's back there, so it's it's. It's interesting because i think they've got uh I think they've got the potential to be good defensively. They just they weren't. Um and so that's kind of where I I, I I ding some points off of them. And before that, they did kind of look in disarray because they didn't the owners seemed willing to let the team kind of be a bottom of the, the Easter the, sorry, the Western Conference playoffs in that wild card spot, and then they go and spend some money finally. Diego Luna jumps onto the scene and you've got a really young, promising player who've made his U.S. Men's National Team debut, who they think is going to be probably one of the top prospects coming from the U.S. Uh, men's National Team. Uh, I'd say in a season or two, he's somebody that uh, Europe's looking at going, oh, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, they, they had they had some DP issue um, with with Savarino where it, it didn't quite work out, I think, the way that they wanted it to. Um, and all of that kind of mixed in. I think they bounced back well. They started out, again, started out of the gates not well. Um, and That's so, uh, I mean, you can't go through these bad spells in this league. Like you can't have those six game windows where you just absolutely get torched if you want to be one of the top teams. you can. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Um, But it's very difficult to be one of the top teams in this league. And then Jordan, I was looking at this. Yeah. Like this is really interesting to me. Um, So if you look at the the Western Conference, right, and you look at the goals scored, the top two goal scorers uh, in the top, let's just say the top six because I'll throw Vancouver in there to be nice um we're 62 55 and then you had like 54 51 and then rsl's in the top five seattle's in the top five and yeah like and they had 41 and 48 if you go to the eastern conference yeah. the team that has the lowest in the top six is nat orlando well, with 55 they scored 55 goals yeah like that's
0: and top seven is 39 yeah. that that's like that's like That's how far you have to go down to find a team that has less than 55 is the seventh spot. (laughs) And if the
1: Nashville wasn't so good defensively, like they are the elite defense, like they they wouldn't be sitting there. Um, But it is funny to me, like the Western Conference is very... We talked. We've talked about this. Like the R our, the R cells of the world in the Western Conference, you can be a number three spot or a number two spot. Like they logistically could make that jump this year because I think there are teams ahead of them that will not be up there this year. So it, it is. It's interesting to me. They can add. I think they can add one more player. Um, I would go. You know, I I'd say that a DP number ten um, is what they're truly lacking. They're truly lacking one more big time player. I think, before they can really start to make some noise. Because I think, defensively, they'll get better. Like, I, I think that was just not a great season last year. Because I just don't see where RSL is that horrible in defense. But they were. So, yeah. No, but report card-wise, B-. minus. Like, I, I think they're set up pretty damn well for the for the season to come.
0: Well, you know what, too? Is, like, they, they really just ran into the unfortunate, almost like San Jose, where they run into a team that had their number and that team is Houston Dynamo who knocks them out of the U S open cup. Uh, and then also knocks them out of round one of the playoffs, which was the best of three Houston won the first one, two to one. So, you know, RSL put up a good fight. Uh, RSL wins the next one, one one goes to penalties for a, uh, five, four win in penalties for RSL pushes it to game three and they draw one, one and go into penalties and lose four, three on penalties. So they put up a pretty good fight against a good Houston team. And really it's like, you know, maybe if you get that other spot, uh, if you get a different spot, you're drawing a different team due to the placement. And maybe you make it past round one last year. And I think I'm also going to have that stipulation for them this year. When we're looking at successful season, you can finish top four. You can finish top. I'll say top four to six, but I say get past round one. You've got to get past round one, I think, this time of the playoffs to show, hey, we're progressing. We're going to keep going through these playoffs like a step at a time. I know it doesn't always happen that way for teams, but I'm so conditioned due to the union of like we take this step, then we take this step, then we get to the MLS Cup final, then we win it, and Gareth Bale never scores the header, and then I'm living in a fantasy world where that is the case, and we have a star above our crest. But you know that is the that is the steps that you want to take. Is like all right, we get past the first round. Maybe the next year we get to conference finals. Maybe the next year we're in the final. Hopefully, win it right? If you're RSL and get that second star, um, you know, uh, that was, uh, one of the first MLS cups I remember watching. I, I was at 07 Houston won against Revs, And then 2008 was Columbus's winning. I did not watch that one. I did watch the playoffs. I saw the crew knock out DC United and then 09 LA galaxy. The first run of the beckham years where uh they go penalties and nick romando comes up big and, and rsl wins and you know if you want to hear us talk about nick romando go back and listen to our mls mount rushmore's he's on one of ours i'm not going to spoil which but um yeah i think they can absolutely do it i think they just need to get past round one and and show like hey we're progressing here um and that's not as beholden to table places but to get past round one i think it's better for you to be in the top four. So I'd say they got to be in four through six and they have to get past round one.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to agree with you on that. I think getting in that top four is crucial to that because playing in Sandy, Utah is uh, a bear because it is high altitude. It is difficult to play there. They've got a good fan base. They've got a fan base that's bought back into the, to the rebrand and the understanding of this team is, is destined to become a really good team again in the Western Conference. And I think they shore up some of the defensive issues. Um, they played a better defensively, which I think they automatically will. Um, I think they're missing that DP uh, difference maker in the attack, whether that be a number 10 or you can move Diego Luna into like a more of an attacking midfield and then get a winger and that's a defensive, or sorry, that's a, a DP that can make a difference. Um, so I think that's what they're, they're missing. They're missing that true difference maker above Arango like he needs somebody else um and I think Diego Luna can be that player but it'll take a little bit of time they there are going to turn a couple things that they're going to be missing though uh Musovsky's gone, uh, Krylock's gone, Lofelson, yeah. like those are veteran players that, yeah, been, like those are yeah. veteran guys that were in the locker room that are at training every day that, you know, they played 15 matches, 20 matches last year um, because they're older. But I think that's such a, especially Crylock, he's such a, a difference maker as far as a veteran presence. Yeah. Like that's the kind of stuff they'll miss. This is going to be like a younger revamped team a little bit. And I, I worry there because that's always a concern, but I think, Jordan, they're probably set up best if they add another player and they do have deeper pockets. If they add one more player that's a really good difference maker and uh, Arango stays healthy and contributes like he had been at that clip, like this team could be a really dangerous team. Like I'm talking like top three. Uh, but I think a successful season, home field, and you've got to get past the first conference semifinal round. Like you've got to get to that. I, even the conference final. Like, I think that's realistic for RSL um, because I think they're there. They've got – they've been there. They've been so close. They went crashing the year before. They played a lot better this year, I think, and and really – without – Jordan, you look at the top – you look at those first uh, six games or whatever it was that you mentioned, and if you get any kind of points there, like, they had a really great season, but they just did not start well.
0: All right, so where'd you say for successful season? Uh, home field
1: advantage in the in their first round, so top four, yeah, oh, uh, oh, and winning four. out of the conference semifinals, so winning their first playoff round, which is more than one game now. It's two, so <laughs> you gotta win two.
0: All righty, so is that? Uh, wow,
1: that's all yeah, on the team. So so so. we gotta, we gotta, we got a good, we got a good Western Conference middle section here. Like, uh, I think talking the, the, yeah. the you know, talking with no other pod too, I think SKC um, is a team also that is going to be formidable and getting that stuff out of the way with Gavin Wilkinson, I'm hoping with, with some of their progression that, I mean, really, Jordan, like, you look at some of these teams that we're talking about, Vancouver, RSL, we talked about sporting, those teams all had really good ends of year um or surges yeah. in the middle of the season into the end of the year like those are three teams that I legitimately think uh, have a good chance I worry some about Dallas because I worry about where they're really heading um but yeah I don't know I'm really impressed with some of these teams sporting again some players off rapid or sorry Vancouver I've also have Rapids because RSL I always do that to them but RSL few player or players off like they're all there
0: well you know it's funny is I feel like after we always do these, I always come out a little bit more optimistic about the teams That's we talked true. about. And maybe it's we the blinders of doing, like, you You know, Logan does most of the research here that prepares the notes. I look over them before, you know, we get into it. I'm, I also go through, you know, my own stuff for... Um, either watching clips or going back to the tables and looking up stats and stuff. And it's like, oh, they're not as bad as I remember them being. But sometimes stats lie. And sometimes the eye test is what they need to pass. And we'll see if they pass the eye test and the stats test throughout the course of the season for these teams and end up... Because you know we, we say a lot of the times, oh, successful season is top four. There's only four spots. And four of the teams that got them we talk about next time we talk about the West. So uh, it's going to be a daunting task, I think, for some of these teams to get in there. But thankfully, MLS just keeps expanding playoffs. So next year, we'll probably get the whole league two the spots in the year, playoffs. Right? At some point, they will. Uh <laughs>
1: It'd be like a March Madness And then you can just say, make yeah.
0: playoffs. Yeah, make playoffs. That's the yeah. expectation. Um, so next week, uh, or later this week, I don't know when I'm putting these up, but it's coming soon. Montreal Charlotte Red Bulls Nashville and Atlanta those are the next five teams in the middle of the pack for the east that we're going to dive into we're going to have a special guest coming in to talk Atlanta United so make sure uh you get if you have any questions about Atlanta make sure you send them our way uh well actually don't because we already have recorded that I think but anyway uh Atlanta is next um but you can still send any sort of questions or thoughts that you have about any of the teams coming up that we're talking about. Uh, yeah, it was great to have no other pod back on. Uh, it's exciting to dive into the Gavin Wilkinson stuff, which, you know, uh, I think the fans showing how the fans are able to change that. You know, I was just watching the Super League documentary and how it focuses at times on the fans saving football a bit from the Super League. It's just always nice when, uh, when that kind of stuff comes together and is able to affect real change in the structures of the clubs. So uh, great story there. Should have never gotten to that point, but they stood their ground and the club backed down, and that's, that's always great. You can contact us at Stateside Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, and TikTok, where Logan has been putting up some of the clips from the podcast. Uh, Always feel free to reach out to us with any sort of questions, comments, concerns. Do you have concerns about how low we are on your team, let us know. uh, That is statesideshow at gmail.com for emails. If you want to go a little long form, if you don't like the character limits on certain things, you can send it to the email account. Uh, That's it. Have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you next time when we talk the middle of the East. Tomorrow, throwing his body
1: in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Come
0: on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.